Hey, this is Matilda Moyel and welcome to episode number three of the Ogayana podcast. Today with founder of the award-winning and sustainable private islands, Nikoi and Cempedak, we welcome Andrew Dixon. becoming increasingly aware of how they travel. Perhaps less so in terms of leaving a carbon footprint. People are flying more than ever, but when choosing a holiday, the hotel or location and its sustainable profile is slowly becoming one priority for many travelers. For former banker Andrew Dixon, to create a green getaway on his own island was a dream that rapidly took shape 10 years ago. Today, not just one, but two islands in Indonesia, just south of Singapore, are reality. And one with such popularity that the islands Nikko and Cempedak are booked up a year in advance. Numerous awards and their feature on Forbes' bucket list and CNN's hot list are just a few of the amazing reviews the two islands have received in international media. And of course, we are very proud to present to you Australian-born initiator, founder and frontrunner in green travel on the Orkayana podcast, Andrew Dixon. Okay, welcome Andrew Dixon and um, congratulations on your latest press coverage last week. Uh, <laughs> CNN had yeah. a very interesting <laughs> prediction for Jempadak. Uh, yeah, we were a little bit surprised about that. They um, put us in um, the list of um, uh, potential destinations for um, Prince um, Andrew. Harry. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Oops. I'm not a big royal fan. <laughs> um, I should know that. Um, yeah. And uh, as they're one of their honeymoon destinations, which um, surprised us a little bit. But um, yeah, I'd be delighted to host them if they um, decide to, to come and stay with us. Well, I mean, no doubt CNN has now ruined that idea. <laughs> <laughs> I, would, um, I would expect that's the case, yeah. yeah. I have to say, it was, uh, if it was to happen, I'm, I'm glad I already visited. Uh, <laughs> yeah. As, and no doubt Chemberdack will be fully booked years in advance um, if you got that visit. Um, not that you actually need this type of publicity. As I already said in the introduction, you have done extremely well with Nikoi, now 11 years old, and Chemberdack yeah. that opened a year ago. Correct. Um, do you feel that you can finally relax and enjoy the harvest of all the hard work? It's uh, a good question. Um, uh, I sometimes find it a challenge to, to go there and uh, you know enjoy it, perhaps as um, as a guest might. Uh, uh, so I, I guess I enjoy hosting people. I often have friends and family stay there, and that's that's great. Uh, but it's been a process for a very long time. Every time yeah. we've been there, especially at Chempadak lately, yeah. it's it's, it's <laughs> it, it's <laughs> it been ends. work, right? It's yeah, it never uh, ends. Yeah. yeah. Um, look, we're always looking for ways to make um, improvements, and um, and so that's always got me thinking about when you're there about how we can how we can do things better. Uh, so yeah, it's definitely been a journey. Um, yeah, it's been a great journey, but um, it it does have its challenges on the way. So. Yeah. Well, um, having visited both islands myself, um, I think you and your team deserve to kick back a little. <laughs> um, the incredible hard work that has gone into Nikoi and Chembanak shows immediately when you set foot there. And you've managed to create an amazing atmosphere on both islands as well. And we're going to hear a lot more about how Nikoi and Chembanak came about. 
But first, a more direct question to you um, that we always ask our guests. Because, um, Andrew, you're a banker, and you're now a uh, founder and co-owner of two multi-award winning eco, I don't know what to call them, retreats. We get away. We've been talking about what to call them. It's, um, we, we like to say sustainable. Um, yeah, we, we, we use, sustainability is, is one of our core sort of principles and it's ethos behind the company. Um, and um, we use different words, different descriptions. Responsible tourism is one that, that we've liked, sustainable tourism, um, sustainability um, are all um, descriptions. We're not a big fan of the word eco, uh, only because it's been overused and abused by... Right. There's been too much greenwashing through it. And so we've tried to distance ourselves and, and focus on offering a good product that had um, sustainable sustainability wrapped around it or as a core um, uh, component rather than use eco as a, uh, as a, as a marketing um, tool. Okay, we cool. don't see sustainability as a marketing angle. We see it as a core principle of our business. Okay, well, that might lead me to the question I was actually about oh, to ask sorry. you. No, 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 no. <laughs> it's, it's quite good to get cleared up because I think um, uh, with the eco, as you said, it is, it is a very used word and it's... Uh, a lot of people use it for greenwashing everything from hotels to products to well, they don't. They're, yeah, they don't think they're greenwashing, but they are. But they are, yeah. exactly. Um, so no, so now with all this experience and knowledge that you've gained um, on this journey, um, what is your mission in life now, would you say? Uh, I certainly moved on from where I was when I was a banker. Um, uh, you know, I've always been interested in the environment. Um, I'd had less connection with any community like we have had with, with Nikoi and, and, and Chepadak. Um, and I guess culturally, um, you know, I was always interested in things as well, but um, it wasn't until I got introduced to uh, a group called The Long Run, which we're members of, and that's helped me think um, a lot more around, about um, how sustainability can work, in a, certainly in a hotel setting. Mm -hmm. And that's how I've, I've, I guess I've embodied that, um, that, that core framework myself and I try and bring it into my life as much as I can as well. <laughs> we all try. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, 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 you know, there's, there's so many components to it that, are, that it can be quite hard to mm -hmm. bring it into your own personal life. But um, I found it a great framework and it, they call it the four C's and it's been a great model for me. Right, okay. Personally and for the business. Yeah. And and as you said, it, it, it wasn't necessarily the case when you were working in, in the in the central business district in, in Singapore. Um, so how does, I mean, is that how the shift happened? Was that when you got in contact with with, with these guys, or, or did oh you no, just, we were well and truly into it before then. Okay, they, yep. they just helped us frame what we were doing. Right. And I guess we'd had a strong interest in all of these four C's: so community, culture, conservation, and commerce. Yeah. Um, and the, the last one of those is quite interesting because it says that you've got to make money in order to be able to be sustainable and across your other businesses, which is the other three Cs. Yeah. So I, it's a nice framework and it doesn't mean that you have to do it purely for altruistic reasons. You do it as a business and, and you generate a, um, a return on for your shareholders and for yourself. And, um, you know, it's not, not this sort of purely... Um, selfish thinking and nor is it thinking that you're, you're, you're having to give everything back to everyone else so I quite like it it sort of gets everything nicely and balanced yeah and and this is when we of course we have to hear the story about 
how Nikoi came about. As you were saying, it's yeah. not the idea wasn't uh, was actually formed um, early on, but not as early as uh, as when you and a group of friends had a look at this island. Yeah. Um, so tell tell us what happened. We used to go um, to the area to another island that uh, with very simple rustic um, huts on it. And I loved that experience of just getting off um, out of us out of the city of Singapore. Much as I like Singapore, it, 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 it's a city, and getting out of the yep. city and you know getting your sand in, in your in, in your feet and just really being able to relax. It was great, simple food but good, and uh, it was a great experience. And so we started thinking about uh, well, I started thinking about how we could do this for ourselves. Mm -hmm. um, so we had our little bolt hole and. We started looking for other islands that was that were available, and we found Nikoi was a much bigger proposition than what we were anticipating right. taking on. <laughs> I was just thinking, you know, four mates and their families and, and a barbecue and yeah, a beach. Yeah, <laughs> and so, what started off as you know is, is really um, uh, something for ourselves. Then we decided that maybe we need to run this as a business because that was the way to make it sustainable in the long run. And we weren't having to pull money out of our pockets every every time we visited, and so that sort of started us down the journey and thinking of maybe running it as a as a small um, uh, hotel. But you also found that people were were interested and 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 they wanted to be part of that too, right? Yeah, I approached a few friends yeah. and um, they certainly jumped on board quite quickly. I was quite surprised. I thought it would be <laughs> quite a bit harder. Uh, and I think they're probably who, who doesn't want their own private island. <laughs> well, I guess that was the big selling point. Yeah. You know, it, if we'd done the same thing on on an, on another um, on a bigger island mm -hmm. somewhere, and we're only a small part of a bigger pie, then be less interest. But the private island bit makes it special. Yeah, and it is something unique about visiting a private island because there aren't any neighbours. Uh, if you take the whole island to yourselves, then you you know, really got no one else there other than staff, and that's a great experience. So. And can you tell us a little bit how how Nikoi works in terms of you know I've been there myself with with my kids and and you know it's not just all about sustainability and 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 it's also about a certain atmosphere that Nikoi has um, that is created in many different ways I find I think with the kids uh, in particular there is a what you would call a kids club in hotels um, but it doesn't seem it seems like a treehouse with lots of mates who are yeah. you know. Um, Doing a weapons out of wood, and mm. it's it's you feel like you go back to your childhood in a way when you go there, um, and that's definitely what I found that my kids found and why they loved it so much. Yeah, uh, can you can you sort of tell a little bit about? Um, it's been fairly organic that process as well. Yeah, <laughs> um, you know, when I was growing up as a kid, we had sort of an unbounded um, freedom to wander out after school and do our own thing, and and and, and kids, I think. Uh, need more access to nature. I mean, I grew up around it and I loved that experience. And I don't think, especially if you're living in a city, people who, or children are getting so much exposure to yeah. that. So, and I've read research on it. You know, there's, there's, a, there's a theory around a thing called nature deficit disorder where kids are not getting enough exposure, tend not to be as creative and engaged in school. And so it makes me think that there's a lot more to it than, than you know, perhaps people are really even considering mm -hmm. and so uh, sorry it's a long, long no but it's interesting um, and so it was something that I was keen that we introduced into the play and not right. made it you know a, a formal kids club it was something where kids could drop in and out of mm -hmm. if they wanted to and they were 
they were there was activities that weren't something that um, were so formally organised or involved a lot of equipment and you know they were simple things and one of the most popular which we never thought would be was jumping off a jetty and yeah. you know you wouldn't think that that is so much but it gives kids a huge amount of confidence yeah. and uh, it brings out some fantastic things to the kids mm-hmm. seeing them having such fun with what's really simple activity yeah so i i you know that we embraced and we got some great staff that run that for us uh, and they've developed their own things. We had to cut out one of the games. Um, they were playing a version of Hunger Games. Okay. And uh, we did get a comment from a guest that it was a, we didn't think introducing kids to that rather dystopian <laughs> <laughs> type of idea was a good one. And yeah. I did have to go back and think about it. I think I probably agreed and we just yeah. decided, look, maybe this is not the right... There, were, there was obviously a demand. And Kids <laughs> loved it. We then had complaints from people that were... From the parents. Yeah, <laughs> complaints that the, the, the kids couldn't do that activity yeah, yeah. anymore. Okay. Well, fair enough. It's, it's all a process, So it's getting a balance, yeah. yeah. Now, this is... Um, so over 10 years ago, you started this. Um, um, how We talked about it a little bit before, but how aware were you on sustainability? Um, I mean, did you make these choices for Nikoi because it was financially sustainable? or because of the desire to do better for the community and the environment? Um, was it a mix? I'd say it was a mix. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I wouldn't put it down to, to one item. I mean, we were already interested in um, as a subject. I mean, I, you know, I would like to think I was a conservationist at heart. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, you, you, and as we've gone through the journey, um, you know, learnt a lot more about what to do and what not to do and how to improve things. And we've learnt that from other members of the long run. We've learnt that from consultants who've helped us. Uh, it really has been a journey. And um, we've tried to cup and make decisions based on, on which ones are more financially um, better to put in place. because. Yep. That's a great way. You take the low-hanging fruit that costs you very little. Mm-hmm. You can do a lot more with those type of things than the big budget items that, that you know, doesn't spread your budget so far. Yeah. So we've tried to get that balance. It's obviously not always easy to sort of weigh up the benefits versus the costs. Um, but if can, you can... Can you, can you come up with an example of, of where it's both sustainable and sustainable in um, a financial sense? Oh, look, there's lots of examples. Mm-hmm. I mean, a great one is as simple as the syrups that we're making in the bar. Um, mm-hmm. We make all of our own um, syrups for, for making sodas. Mm-hmm. And as a result, we've cut out a lot of waste. Um, they're cheaper, mm-hmm. so we make more money. Um, there's a no- nice cultural tie um, because we're using local ingredients. Yep. For instance, we grow a flower called rosella. It's a hi- wild hibiscus, and we make a, a, a cordial out of that, or syrup that um, is very similar to grenadine. Mm-hmm. So we use that instead of buying grenadine in, right. and, which was expensive because yep. it came in from Europe or somewhere. So, you know, we've got a better product that's got better quality uh, ingredients in it. Uh, it's made locally. It's got a cultural element, um, and so it, this it's a nice. Nice bits and pieces to it. Yeah. Um, and as you say, I mean, there's, you have a lot of examples uh, of yeah. those uh, on, on your islands. Um, can I just ask, um, so back then, were you, in, were you aware and inspired by this sort of barefoot luxury trend that was appearing from people behind like Sonova and Six Senses and, and others like them? Or did, was it literally just 
what what came from you guys? Um, again, I'd say um, you know, I'm very interested in what they were doing. Mm-hmm. Um, I've visited um, both Six Senses Properties um, and Suniva Fushi, yep. um, and very impressed with what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like to think that we've done things different mm-hmm. to them, so we haven't copied it. I mean, mm-hmm. for instance, all their properties have aircon. Yep. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that other than it does use a lot of electricity, but um, that's that's the model they've gone mm. for. We've we've not put the aircon air in the rooms, and I personally prefer that, and a lot of guests give us really positive feedback on mm-hmm. that. Uh, it's still really comfortable to sleep at night. Um, yeah, because well, yeah, that, that's actually my next question, because were, were, were you ever Sorry. worried that some of the choices that you made for, for, for your two islands would... would you know, scare people off, like not having aircon, uh, no TV, um, salt water in your pools, uh, just some of the, the examples. Um, because, I mean, Nico and Chembarak, they run in a certain price price range, yeah. not, not Six Senses no. and, and Soniva, no. um, but you need to appeal to that clientele who can also afford it, right? Yeah, yeah no, um, I think certainly the aircon one was a, was a slightly controversial one yeah. um, because it's, it's pretty much a de facto item in mm-hmm. in Asia certainly we're one degree north of the equator so yes. most people would expect to have it yeah um, it is nice noticeably cooler over there you just don't have the concrete land you know heat sink that you have in Singapore mm-hmm. so it is can be quite comfortable we've got a fan inside the mosquito net and, and and once we'd had enough people see it and experience it uh, I think people realized that they actually didn't really need it mm. uh, in fact it was really nice not to have it because yeah. You could hear the ocean at night. Yeah, it has to be said. All the all the cabins are all out yeah, to the all the villas are out to the ocean, so you get the wind. Yeah, yeah and I yeah. find that in Asia, often um, rooms that are aircon, you get this musty smell because they've been closed up. Mm-hmm. And what's nice about um, not having that is that you've got nice fresh air. <laughs> 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 and yeah, I, it won't look. It won't suit everyone. We're the first ones to acknowledge that it's not a product that's for everyone. It's a mm-hmm. cup of tea. The people, though, who love it, love it a lot and keep coming back. Yeah. And, and you are sold out all year round. That, so, uh, that, <laughs> that I'd much rather stay focused and niche than, mm-hmm. than try and cater for everyone. And I think it's a problem that a lot of hotels do. They try yeah. and cater for everyone. Yeah. We don't follow that. We, we're niche and we're quite happy for, for, for us not to appeal to a segment of the market yeah. and just stay focused because we're only small. Yeah. And to go back to how the islands um, uh, and or how the islands came about, um, because after Nikoi became this great success, it has to be said it's it's been a really really great success. You started the Chembadak project, and, and with this island, you wanted to take sustainability to a new level. Um, could you take us through, Andrew, your ideas beforehand and the results that we see today? Okay. Um. That's a lot. I know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Don't have to mention start. everything, but. Um. <laughs> Okay, so the big difference between Nikoi and Chepadak was, yes, you're right, we wanted yeah. to take it up a notch. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we realised that there was an appetite for that as mm-hmm. well. Uh, we also were keen to make it um, adults only, um, but we were keen to use a new building material as well. And these are, the, I guess, the core differences. Um, and the, the new building material we set upon was using bamboo because mm-hmm. of its sustainable principles, but also because of what you can do with it. It's a pretty amazing product, yep. or material, sorry. Um, there, it's, its uses and its, a, its ability to, to create interesting uh, architectural forms is, is pretty pretty unique. But you have a special, you have special 
people coming in yep. to actually do a new design or how, how uh, we had um, we had an architect who's based in Bali Miles mm-hmm. Humphreys but he brought in some bamboo specialists to mm-hmm. help him um, because he'd never done anything in bamboo yep. he had a lot of hotel experience so we had a nice mixture between the um, bamboo specialist architecture you know understood what you couldn't couldn't do mm-hmm. um, with bamboo and there are a few limitations with it there's some extraordinary things you can do with it but it's also got to be aspects you have to be careful about okay doesn't, doesn't like to get wet right um, That's a problem doesn't, no <laughs> doesn't like to get sun uh, you know it's a little sensitive but, okay um, so that that I guess the other big difference we put swimming pools in all the villas we thought if we're making it adult mm. only this was a great opportunity to yes. bring that in it was and these were all listening to what guests had said to us on Nikoi yeah how we could refine it take a little bit more up market yeah but still be um, um, sustainable more sustainable than what we've done yeah and and I think you told me before that um, basically all your materials are sustainable I think the only thing you mentioned was the cement that it's built on and even there you try to yeah. to, to, to bring in you know um, recycling yeah sustainable approach um, well our first thing is trying to re- reduce our consumption yep. of items um, where hence the syrup one of the beauties of that yep. is that you're not you're not got all the waste that comes with that yeah but inevitably we serve wine in our restaurants and we get a lot of glass um, bottles mm-hmm. there's no recycling facility in Bintan right. for those so we've we spent quite a bit of time looking for solutions to what we do with the glass um, we found a machine that allows us to shred it into sand or crush it or, or uh, yeah, shred it into mm-hmm. sand. It's just literally like a fine sand. And then that can make a very strong cement, stronger mm-hmm. than if you use normal sand. So yep. it's, a, it's a great way to repurpose um, a material that was a waste. That's a bit of history in the cement. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a, a lot of good nights in that cement. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> we didn't need to have, a, have, a, have one that has all the high-value bottles in it. <laughs> cheaper oh, one. really? Yeah, well, that's a higher-value <laughs> cement than... Yeah, yeah. So some. Got to think uh, about that. You might be thinking about. Yeah, some villas. Uh, yeah, have had better nights than others. Anyway, um, so. <laughs> no, just kidding. So it's, it's not just the materials. You have uh, two hundred and thirty staff on your islands, and yep. you take pride in running a social responsible business. You would form the Island Foundation, and how does that work? Uh, so uh, in two thousand and ten, we registered the Island Foundation as a charity in Singapore. Mm-hmm. We are already doing um, some community work focused around education. Uh, but when we set it up, we went around and started talking to the, the villagers about what their needs were. And universally, it came back that education was one of the one of the main things they wanted some help mm-hmm. with. Uh, so we started setting up these learning centres. We call now, um, and their um, focus was on education um, from the age of about four to fourteen. Um, above fourteen, they tend to go off to high school um, outside of this area. Um, so we've got a captured audience. They come after school or on the weekend. It's voluntary, but we've got a really good um, attendance. Mm-hmm. And we're trying to educate the kids um, on, a, on a more 21st century basis. It, we've worked very closely with United World College, one of the Singapore's yep. leading schools, and they've helped us to re- develop this curriculum. Okay. And it's really exciting to see these kids now... Uh, are starting to question their teachers at school and actually unfortunately getting into trouble because, okay. <laughs> because they have a very hierarchical structure in Indonesia, yeah. often in most countries, in, or a lot of countries in Asia. Mm-hmm. And also, um, I know that it also means that it becomes, as we talked about before, financially s- uh, sustainable because you actually keep your staff, whereas 
that can be a big problem, I, I assume, especially if you're on an island, uh, you know, people are quite happy to go somewhere else or go to Singapore or the mainland to get jobs, but you actually managed to, yeah. to keep your staff. Yeah, I know, actually, we're really proud of that. I mean, mm -hmm. our um, uh, retention rate on staff, um, uh, we lost 6% um, last year. Wow. Uh, it's, for the last four or five years, it's been under 10, Yeah. which in the hotel industry, anywhere is pretty, or very low. Yeah. Um, and, you know, not only do we retain staff, but um, we're able to attract the better staff. Right. And that's what I'm excited about is that, is that we've got people now who want to come and work with us and we get the best, we get the real pick of it. And mm -hmm. So to me, uh, we invest a lot in staff training and staff welfare and we really see the benefit in doing so. so. Okay. So that's great, and um, there's no doubt that the space for sustainable destination is is only getting bigger, um, especially with the younger generation being more conscious of the environment, um, and I assume also more demanding uh, for hotels to be responsible. Um, so because of this trend, um, I, I can imagine that navigating these sustainable destinations will quickly become difficult. Um, it's hard to know what you're getting. And you told us before you're a member of the Long Run Alliance, um, which uh, where you know you show a commitment to achieve sustainability. Um, do you think? I mean, how important are these memberships or these accreditations for for these places that are developing today? Do you think? Uh, it's a really good question, um, and I guess there's different levels to look at it. Um, I think that you know if a hotel's making an investment in it, then um, that's great. But um, those accreditations, A, cost a lot of money and a lot of them are tick box um, exercises. I like the long run model because it's very progressive and mm -hmm. um, sets out a plan um, for you always to continually improve and that's what I found valuable. So it's not just having their name attached to yours that's important? No, it's really, you know, look, A, it's a not-for-profit organisation. <laughs> so. Yeah. Um, you know, there's a there's a there's a good model in that mm. for us in that that we're not we're not someone's not actually profiting out of this, and that's not the reason we really join it is it for the accreditation. Um, the exercise in going through it is useful if if a hotel's new to it. Um, mm. So I'm not I'm not against the whole idea of accreditation. Mm. Uh, I would just be a little bit careful as to what's actually being done. Uh, you know, and is it is is there really someone dedicated to sustainability? I think the good hotels have a dedicated officer. Mm -hmm. We have several, um, and we see it as a core part of our business mm -hmm. and one where we've been able to save money. So I think one question you can always ask as a visitor is, can I meet your sustainability officer, or can I take a tour of your sustain your, your sustainability initiatives? Yeah. And ask questions. So you can do your own uh, don't, don't. Trip, trip advisor yes. for, uh, for sustainability yeah, wherever you don't, go. Yeah. Don't just accept what the hotel says because yeah. sometimes that's written by the marketing people yeah. and there's a disconnect to what's going on the ground. Yeah. So yeah. yes. Uh, and it's also, as you said, we talked about the eco term before. Um, you know, what is eco and is it uh, the fact that they, uh, you know, don't use straws and then they don't do anything else or, you know, it's... It's very easy to, to do like three things and, yes. then, and then you call yourself an eco Yeah, retreat. I mean, the yeah. reusing of towels is the one that gets raised yes. all the time and yeah. frustrating when 
you are a guest and you hang up your towel and make it an effort because that's what the hotel's asked you. Yeah. Well, you probably do that at home anyway, so yeah. it's sort of in your DNA. And it's quite good for the hotel as well. Yeah, <laughs> and then they go and wash it and you think, my God, yeah. what went wrong here? Yeah. <laughs> and so I think that's, I personally find that frustrating. I stayed in a hotel on a weekend and did exactly that yeah. thing, yeah. you know, I find. Yeah. I don't want my towel washed every day. No. I'm very happy to use yes. it again. Yes. Uh, that's frustrating. And I think then people get very circumspect about what uh, the hotels are doing. Yep. You know, they, it's all very well to talk the talk, but you've got to walk, walk it as walk well. Walk. Yeah. And, and with this increasing competition in this field, um, what do you think for, for it takes for a conscious hotel or resort or destination, whatever we call it, but... Uh, what do you think it takes them to stand out? What are the latest trends? Have you have you experienced um, when you talk to people in your field? There's a lot of interest in um, uh, creating interesting experiences for guests. Yeah. Uh, and so it's not just enough to be a sustainable. Well, look, I, I I don't necessarily see that's just purely on sustainability side of it. Right. Um, just in general. Just in general. Yeah. yeah. So and and it'll often weave some sustainability elements. I mean, mm. we do that. We yeah. we offer experiences like visiting a local village, which we you know, weave into the sustainability of what we're doing. Yeah. And, and, and how you do that is very care, you've got to be very careful as yeah. well, because it's not a matter of just, just taking people in there and you know, uh, the village being the goldfish in, in, in the bowl, yeah. because they don't like that. Yeah. You've got to do it in a way that there's interaction. Yeah. And, and they get something out of it. And, and, yeah, and they're getting something out yeah. of it as well. And that's, yeah. that's, that's our approach. Um, so, yeah, I mean, experience is the buzzword in the industry as mm -hmm. a whole. Mm -hmm. um, sustainability, yes, a lot of talk about it. Uh, I question how many hotels are doing it. And okay. you mentioned hotels were being more competitive. Yeah. I don't know. I just don't see a lot of hotels, a lot of interest in it. Okay. But not people doing it. Interesting. Oh, look, maybe I'm just bit critical maybe it's because my eyes are just more focused on it that I, I start noticing but uh it's, yeah maybe it's, yeah it's interesting that you and um, maybe i'm just too in involved and too deep in what we're yeah. doing that i just don't see it um the same way that yeah. others do so I, i'm probably not the best person to ask. <laughs> that's fair enough that's fair enough um so creating these getaways uh on these two islands has as we talked about taking a lot of time and effort um so my last question is would you do it again <laughs> <laughs> you mean do another project or do another project. Or, or do the whole thing again? Um, that's a good question as well. <laughs> um, maybe both. Let's start with if you do it, do the whole thing again. Do the whole thing again? Uh, yeah. Look, I have. I've, I really enjoyed it. It's yeah. been great. I've met some lovely people. We've got some great staff that I really enjoyed working with. Uh, Indonesia is not always the easiest place to do business, no. but I think the Indonesians will admit that um, <laughs> as well. Um, but look, it is very rewarding because they are really kind and, and, and wonderful people mm -hmm. uh, uh, and have some wonderful resources that, um, that, that you know, I think that we've helped them showcase. Um, I'm particularly excited about what we're doing in the food. Yep. Um, would, um, would I do another island? Yeah, I think I probably would. We've, we've, we've been talking about it internally. We don't have any fixed plan. We've got some ideas. Um, it's... You know, they're long gestation <laughs> periods. Uh, I did, if you'd asked me a year ago, I'd probably say no. Yeah. When we were just opening up the, 
because it Your was quite stressful. Yeah. I thought it was going to be easier the second time around. I'm not yeah. sure it was. We yeah. probably had set a set a higher standard. Yeah. Um, so yeah. I, Ask me in a year. <laughs> yeah, all right. Well, good luck with your next venture, whatever it is. I'm, right, I'm sure you. it's just a matter of well, time. Well, the next one, we're doing a farm. We've started that already, so. Oh, God, that was yeah. a bit of a cliffhanger. Okay, well, we'll put that in the oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> we just started it, so, Okay, yeah. well, um, I'll talk to you about that, uh, and we'll, um, we'll put that in as a little cliffhanger for the article that will, of course, come along with this podcast. Thank you so much for coming, Andrew Dixon, and joining us on our podcast. Thanks very much. Imagine following your dreams like Andrew and creating not just one, but two islands for all of us to enjoy. Uh, if you want to read more about Chempedak, we welcome you on a walk around the island in Okayana's article in our travel section at okayana.com. And you can, of course, also visit nikoi.com and chempedak.com for more information. Please also rate and review our podcast channel just as well as Nico and Chempedak on iTunes so we can get the word out on our great conversations with all these amazing profiles in the sustainable industry and health sector. Thank you so much for listening to us at Okayana. Bye bye.